It's me. So I know I talked about this in my book, and I definitely tell this story a lot just in my real life. I'm not sure if it has come up yet on this podcast, maybe in passing. But anyway, when I was in high school, I, well, I worked a number of jobs, mostly because when I was 16, I got emancipated from my parents, which meant that I was, uh, among other things, totally financially independent. And so obviously I had to work. And I was really lucky because living in a small town, you know, there was a lot of stuff that I could do, you know, that was like something a high school kid could do to make some money, but also be able to be in school. But primarily because the types of jobs you could do in the summer were not too bad because we have so many much of um, like a tourism industry where I live on the coast. So things like people could make a lot of money waiting tables or like cleaning rooms. And so I had some experience as a chambermaid. So someone who cleans hotel or motel rooms. And so the summer that I was 17, I think, I guess, geez, that was 10 years ago. Oh my God. I was working at an inn, which was like a little bit more upscale than working at a motel, (laughs) mostly because the inns where I lived were all in these like beautiful old Victorian houses and they were all kind of unique. This one in particular was in a really beautiful carriage house and it actually had a little apartment or a suite, could also function as an apartment, attached to it in the actual carriage house that was attached to this Victorian beautiful house. And so I lived there while I was working there and it was a great little job. I was doing more innkeeping than just cleaning rooms. So I was actually cleaning rooms. I was entertaining guests at night because I play the piano and there was this beautiful grand piano. I was taking reservations and I was making breakfast every day. So I would get up and make like a full breakfast in the morning. I mean, I'd be up before dawn and cooking for guests, however many guests there were and making sure that everything was there. I mean, it was really incredible to have that experience at that age. But part of the reason I did was that the innkeeper's son actually got really, really sick and she had to travel to be with him and she kind of left the place to me, which was pure desperation on her part because what choice did she have? So I was really like innkeeping. This is a very long story way of telling you that this was like the summer that gave me my fascination with master keys. So this was not a huge house, but it had enough rooms that like you would have several different setups for different rooms that you would need to unlock. And it was in an old house. And so, you know, you would have like a ring of keys. I just remember on Downton Abbey, the housekeeper had like a chatelaine. So she had like like something she wore on her belt that had all of her keys on it and all the keys to the different things. And she always fought with the cook, Mrs. Patmore. She always fought with the cook about um, the key to the pantry or like, you know, so this was a thing, like having different keys, but then maybe having like, you know, one key that could kind of unlock a lot of things is fairly common to things like hotels or colleges or hospitals, actually. And I think now we're moving into a phase where a lot of this stuff can be like digital keys, but I'm talking about like real keys. So I still had real keys for a lot of the jobs that I did like that, um, that were cleaning rooms or motels or whatever. And so this is one of those things where every time it comes up, every time I talk about it, I say, I'm going to Google this. And then do I? No. Except this week I did. 
most because Reddit reminded me that I wanted to, but also because I'm definitely always in the mood this time of year to think about that job because I did, I remember specifically like the week or two before the 4th of July when I was like just starting to run the place on my own and we were going to have a full place for the 4th and then we sat out on the balcony and could watch the fireworks and kind of, I also got a really bad sunburn. I have a picture somewhere. I'll try to find it. I was so cute at 17. Oh my God. I can't believe I did that. Uh, Anyway, so that was a great summer to be in a haunted secret mural hiding carriage house and I will someday maybe tell you the rest of that story. Um, I didn't even tell the whole story in that book actually. There's a lot of stories but anyway I'm sure that on this deep dive I could have gone even deeper into the locksmith rabbit hole but I tried to restrain myself. I tried to just look at the master keying thing because actually that system is complicated enough on its own because as it turns out it is not as simple as like a single key to rule them all or a single key for all doors. Master keys are really more like a system especially when they're part of something that is in and of itself a very large system so like a college campus or a hotel or a hospital and like most complicated things this would be a lot easier to explain if I could make a chart or a graph or some kind of visual so the master keying system kind of operates like the hierarchies of doors that it unlocks you have several different keys of varying levels of access within what is known as the master key system Now, what you're probably imagining when you're thinking of a master key is actually the great grand master key, which not unlike grandpa's can have additional greats tacked onto it, the more complex the system beneath it becomes. A great added for every level of a system it can unlock. Now, beneath the great grand master key is, not surprisingly, the grand master key, or the GMK. So the GMK, like the great grand master key above it, can unlock all the systems beneath it, but there may be locks above it that it can't access. And then below the GGMK and the GMK are the lesser master keys and also change keys. Now, master keys without any modifier of great or grandness is actually the highest level key that would matter, I think, to most people who are only in the business of opening doors and not making keys. So the master key would be the key, say, in a hotel that could open not just the doors to the hotel rooms, but also to maybe the common areas or maintenance closets, a staff lounge, things like that. However, there could also be master keys given to chambermaids that open all of the guest rooms and maybe like one maintenance closet, but doesn't open any other doors and doesn't give them access to any other part of the building. Now, at the lowest level of the master keying system are change keys or sub-master keys. And I don't know if they're ever just called subs, but I might. And these are generally just one lock, one key. Now, unless there are several doors that have identical locks, in which case the change key would open all of them. So you would have a change key for each room in a hotel that you would give to the guests who are staying there. But ideally, you would not want all of those locks to be the same exactly because then anybody could open anybody else's door with their key. But those keys could maybe all open a door to a guest area that has like a pool in it. So then it comes down not so much to the key, but the locks. Now, in order to understand how this is all possible, we actually have to talk about how the key lock thing works from a physical standpoint, which again is kind of hard to explain if I can't show you, but trust me, there are plenty of diagrams. And also, you know, I'm going to make some kind of a gift for Twitter to show you. So like, just bear with me. Now, one of the most common setups for locks is called a pin tumbler lock, which is basically a series of pins inside the lock chamber that the grooves on a particular key will fit. And when the key is shoved in the lock, it sort of lifts the series of pins up in a particular fashion. And the series is made up of driver pins and key pins that are separated by what's called the shear line. Now, that's important, so remember that. 
Now the pins have to be moved to the right height by the ridges of the key, otherwise the lock will not be able to turn. So a key that has ridges that do not line up might be able to slide in, but it's not going to lift the pins that would allow the lock to turn and be unlocked. So there's actually a lot more nuance here than I'm doing justice to, but the simplest way to explain what's needed to create a master key is to say that essentially there needs to be a special pin amongst these regular pins that the master key only will be able to hit. And this is actually not known as so much of a pin, but a wafer, because it's not the same shape. It's actually more of a disc than a elongated pin, and it sits in one of those shear lines that's between the pins. Now the wafer can be in any of those shear lines and there could be more than one and as long as there is a key that's made to match it it'll work now that also means that technically there is more than one key for the lock which means there's more than one pin combination that will unlock it which as someone on reddit pointed out means it's probably easier to pick said lock because even if you have a bunch of keys that don't fit you can use them to rule out what pin combinations won't work which narrows down the possible lock picking combinations that will work now side note Master key lock systems are actually not very secure and they exist because they're easy and because people didn't want to carry around a key ring with 400 keys on it. But while it is convenient, it also makes systems vulnerable, especially if the person who is thinking about fucking with your system knows a lot of math. Because there is also some math involved here in terms of how many lock master key combinations can be made. Now, figuring out how many possible combinations there are involves exponents. So if you factor in how many chambers the lock has and how many shear lines you would be able to put a master wafer in, you can then figure out how many different keys you could make that would work. Except, you know, for security's sake, you don't want to make a bunch. Basically what you want is like enough for the person who locks the door, maybe a spare, and then one for the person who's overseeing all the doors. In apartment buildings, for example, it's not uncommon for the building to be keyed similarly enough so that a tenant's key can open their apartment, but also the building's front door, which means that technically the locks to the front door and all of the apartment doors are not actually that dissimilar. So if you can get into one, it's going to be pretty easy to figure out how to get into the rest. Now this is where the great grand master key level of complexity comes in, because each time you add a wafer and a shear line, you're refining the complexity to an additional key that has power over all the other keys, but that the lesser keys do not possess the power of. Now as far as how keys are made at all, and I don't know, we used to say cut, like oh I have to go get a key cut, but I think the term is actually derived. Locksmithing is really an art. Much skill and many tool is involved in this process, and while it's at least where I live still necessary to go to your local locksmith for like a replacement key if you lose yours or a new key if you have your locks changed. I am wondering if there are places where you can actually like just 3D print keys now and if eventually locksmithing is going to become one of those lost arts. Now all this being said, I do want you to know that the rabbit hole I had to keep myself from going down as a result of trying to learn all of this and keep it fairly simple because, you know, also I have to sleep, is that there is something called lock sport that exists, and it is essentially competitive lock picking, and I am now officially obsessed with it. Also, lock picking is both easier and more complex than I realized. Like most locks, especially padlocks, that exist in the world today are actually pretty easy to pick. The more complex systems, master keys and all of that, 
can actually be picked fairly easily once you learn how to decode with the help of what's called exploratory keys, which I'm guessing are like the professional lockpicking equivalent of a bobby pin, which is the only thing that I or practically any spy worth their salt has ever picked a lock with. But I seriously need a hobby, so I don't know if you've ever been to one of these competitions or been in one, or if you're like a casual lock picker, just please call in and tell me about it because I mean, I'm not saying it's going to be my next career move, but it's probably more secure than professional writing. 